Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week we'll see an explosion of new movies being released on the big and small screens. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. We'll talk Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the number one movie in the world. And this past weekend, I decided to rewatch one of the most mediocre, if not most awful, movie franchises of all time, and I have no idea why. But we will start with the long-awaited sequel to the MCU's Black Panther, which arrived in theaters last weekend, Wakanda Forever. He's coming. Without the Black Panther, Wakanda will fall. Vibranium, he's covered in it. That can't be good. The Marvel sequel earned $180 million in ticket sales in North America in its opening weekend, the second biggest opening of the year behind Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and it's at 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, and while it's by no means perfect, I thought it was pretty good, all things considered, and of course, the biggest thing that had to be considered was the death of Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played the Black Panther. It's dealt with throughout the movie, but most notably in the very first scene and at the end, I think this movie must have broken a record for how fast it can make people cry because it's literally in the first minute. No secret that, you know, they had to kill the character off, uh, the character of T'Challa, the Black Panther, but I was not expecting it to be as affecting as it was, and it was also, you know, hard to believe that the tears of the actors on the screen were doing any form of acting. It was looked like real crying to me. They really did a good job of dealing with what must have been just an impossible situation, both at the beginning of the movie and at the end, which I won't spoil, obviously. But as for the middle, there are some issues. For starters, the movie is two hours and 41 minutes long, which is just ridiculous. There's no reason for it. There's a lot of stuff they could have cut out. And frankly, the movie feels overstuffed. There are a couple of B stories that they could have just excised completely, not just for time, but because they just didn't go anywhere. I learned later that one of them was basically just setting up a, a Disney Plus show that's coming down the pike next year. I know all the MCU movies are, you know, feeder movies for future movies and shows, but it was just too much for a movie that already had too much stuff in it. The main event, though, was well done, I thought, and that has to do with Namor and his underwater civilization. He's played by Tinoch Huerta. He's the bad guy. Brett, last week you mentioned that historically Neymar has been both good and bad and maybe more of an antagonist than an outright bad guy. And while he is the big bad in this movie, you're right. He's not pure evil or anything like that. He's just a guy that's only concerned about keeping his people safe underwater and anything he perceives as a threat has to be dealt with. And if you cross him, he'll do something about it. He's also got the little wings on his ankles. So not only is he a merman who lives beneath the sea, when he comes to the surface world, he can fly. It looks cool when he's hovering in the air, even though the little wings sticking out of his ankles kind of look silly. And the MCU has, you know, avoided some of the other silly things that maybe look okay in a comic book, but dumb in real life, like Captain America's 
helmet wings, but I guess they needed neighbor to fly, so the ankle wings stay. The action is terrific, as you would expect, and while MCU fatigue is setting in with a lot of people, I think this movie does offer up a few things we haven't seen before. I certainly wasn't bored watching the big uh, action set pieces. One of the big issues Namor and the Wakandans have is uh, the precious resource, vibranium. That's the metal that gives Wakanda its power. They're the most technologically technologically advanced country on the planet, and it's because of their uh, vibranium supply, which fell to Earth as a meteorite and landed in Wakanda. The rest of the world wants it. The struggle to protect it includes the Wakandans, Namor, and uh, some intervening world powers. It's actually all a little confusing, and I might as well point out here that when we get the uh, the scene that you have to get where we learn all about Namor, I fell asleep. Uh, when I woke up, <laughs> it was... It was still the same scene, so I could not have missed a whole lot, but I definitely did nod off at one point, and I heard the stranger lady sitting beside me kind of chuckling, so I would imagine I was snoring a little bit as well, but it couldn't have been for too long. <laughs> uh doesn't much matter. Besides the actual plot, the main story of the movie is the Wakandans mourning the death of T'Challa and the fact that they no longer have a Black Panther to protect them. Obviously, we're going to get a new Black Panther, but you really feel Bozeman's absence throughout the movie, and it, it can't help but be a bit of a bummer to everything as it goes along as well. And like I say, when Letitia Wright, who plays his sister Shuri, and Angela Bassett, who plays his mother, start to cry, it doesn't feel like you know the character's crying as much as it actually feels like the actor's crying. But again, what could they do? I, I don't think we've seen a situation like this since Furious 7 in the wake of the death of Paul Walker. But even then, you know, he was in the finished movie. They'd shot most of it before he died. And they don't kill off the character. They just, that little tribute to him at the end. So for Black Panther, the movie overall is a bit of a mitzbag. Uh, there is a pretty great movie in there if they would cut half an hour out of it. But it's just, it's just too much unnecessary uh, filler in there as well. But overall... I thought I had a great time. Three and a half couch cushions out of five for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Are you going to go see it, Brett? Do you got plans for this one or is it too long for you? I don't have plans yet. I'd like to see it. But I also said that about Thor Love and Thunder and I never did end up seeing that one on the big screen. So I don't know what held me back from that. I, I just, I don't know. I don't go to the movies as much, and I'm, but I miss it. So I really need to start going back because there are a couple. Uh, it's going to get busy with a lot of, there's so many big releases coming our way. Yeah. So eventually, I hope to see it. But yeah, but it's also the thing where like it'll end up on Disney Plus pretty quickly because Thor is their lightning speed. Like it was out of theaters for maybe a month before it ended up on Disney Plus. So that's got to take away some people's incentives to go, I would think. I think it was on Disney Plus within a month of its release. And it was still yeah. playing in theaters, but they, they oh. dropped it on Disney Plus. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll... But I did regret not going to see that on the big screen. And in spite of the fact that I found that that movie was just okay, uh, it was a visual spectacle that, even though I've got a nice big TV, can't beat the big screen. Oh, you can't. All right, Black Panther, not the only movie I went to see this weekend. I also saw Martin McDonough's latest. It's called The Banshees of Inishirin, and it stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Do you know what you used to be? No. What did I used to be? Nice. And now, do you know what you are? Not nice. From writer-director Martin McDonough. You can't just all of a sudden stop being friends with a fella. Why can't I? Because it isn't nice. Comes a diabolical tale of a friendship's end. <laughs> the Banshees of Inisherin. Why aren't you talking to Parag no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? Rated R. 
The Banshees of Inner Sharon is a reunion of the two actors and the director. They all made a movie together called In Bruges in 2008. It's a very funny crime movie where Farrell and Gleason played hitmen sent by their boss to the city of Bruges, Belgium, Belgium to lie low until the heat was off, and then they ended up doing the opposite of that. This movie, Banshees, is a lot different. It's still a comedy. There is still some gross, bloody stuff in it, and the two leads still have terrific chemistry, but it's a much different vibe. It's set in the 1920s on the fictional Irish island of Inisharan. It's very close to the mainland. They can hear cannons and gunfire and bombs and see the smoke from the Civil War raging over there. But on the island, there's not a lot of connection to the mainland or the rest of the world. It's very rural. Everyone's spread out, and the only time they have to see anyone else really is if they want to have a pint at the pub or when they go to church. Farrell lives with his sister, played by Carrie Condon. They raise a few cows. He also has a, a dear pet miniature donkey. And his best friend Gleason lives a short walk away, and we're told that every day at 2 p.m., Farrell knocks on Gleason's door, and they head to the pub. Now, the movie starts with the knock on the door, except Gleason doesn't answer, and in fact, he soon tells Farrell that he doesn't want to be his friend anymore. At first, he doesn't give him a reason, but we come to learn more throughout the movie. He does assure him it wasn't any specific thing that Farrell said or did. He just doesn't want to be friends anymore. Gleason is kind of a world-weary, tough old coot, but he has a great love of music. He composes tunes on his violin, which he plays for everyone down at the pub. Farrell's a gentle soul. Everyone says he's kind. He's a bit dumb, too. Uh, and he's crushed that Gleason doesn't want to be his friend anymore. He can't understand it, and he's desperate to learn why, except that Gleason is not desperate to answer him. He does not want to talk. And in fact, he threatens to cut off his own violin playing fingers if Farrell keeps bothering him. And reaction around the community is mixed on whether or not he would actually do it. We meet a few of the other locals, most notably Barry Cogan, who plays a really dumb kid that sees an opportunity to be Farrell's new best friend now that Gleason doesn't want to be. There's the pub owner, there's a mean cop, there's a priest, there's this really creepy old lady who says weird things and basically just shows up everywhere unannounced like the specter of death. It's an odd little movie. It's incredibly entertaining and it has a lot going on uh, for being so simple in the plot department. There are a lot of laughs. There are also some very dramatic moments too. It kind of turns from a comedy to more of a drama as you get, as it goes along kind of a deal. Um, Colin Farrell is wonderful in this. He's an actor I think we often overlook. Like we maybe assume that if he's in a movie, it's because someone else turned down the role. I know I've thought that when I've seen him in stuff before. He's also really good at playing jerks, and it's interesting to see him playing a nice guy here because, honestly, when I think of Colin Farrell, I usually think of uh, a bad guy in a movie. So to see him be like the the nice, sweet one was a change up there. Brendan Gleeson, of course, remains one of the best character actors of his generation. No surprise there. The theater my girlfriend and I saw it in was packed, which surprised me because it's a small scale movie and they usually just don't draw a big crowd. But this movie was full, like the front rows and everything. So we were ended up being treated to one of the best movies of the year. It's a true original four couch cushions out of five for the Banshees of Inisharan. You know, that reminds me, I can't, I can't I think it was Midnight in Paris, the Woody Allen movie. And right. uh, I saw that in uh, like a second run movie theater. Cinema City was what it was, is what it was called. And I went there on like a Wednesday night to see this Woody Allen movie that was in its second run, um, you know, the budget run, so to speak. And that theater was packed. I walked in and thought, really? what the heck is happening here? Um <laughs> And then they, they ended up renovating that theater and turning it into a first-run theater. And uh, it, it was always, the whole theater was always packed. And then it was suddenly not packed. So I still don't understand why they did that. But 
What the heck? Uh, yeah. So that's cool. That sounds great. I, I think I'll have to check that out. Probably won't go rush out to the theater to see it, but uh, I will watch it eventually on streaming. And speaking of streaming and theaters, boy, oh boy, you are going to have a lot of new movies to pick from on the big screen and the small screen. We'll start to break that down for you next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. There are six new movies for you to pick from this weekend, three of them on streaming, three of them in theaters. Let's start with the ones on streaming because there are a couple of really interesting uh, options here. Starting on Disney+, Plus, we've got a sequel to a movie that came out 15 years ago. Do you remember the movie Enchanted? This Thanksgiving, the animated world I will rescue you! is about to collide oh <laughs> with our world. What? Will you? Grumpy. And New York City isn't big enough. Oh my gosh. For all of us. Any last words before I dispatch you? You have got to be kidding me. Walt Disney Pictures presents the motion picture event of the holidays. I'm coming, my love! I've been to... Enchanted. Rated PG. Released in 2007, Enchanted starred Amy Adams, Susan Sarandon, Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, Adina Menzel, or if you prefer, Adele Dazim, and was narrated by Julie Andrews. It was a decent-sized hit. It had 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was super, super fun. I loved it. It was about an animated, a bunch of animated fairy tale characters who end up getting transported to... New York to live action to the real world. So it had all sorts of fun making fun of fairy tales and the various tropes involved. So now we've got the sequel, Disenchanted. Once upon a time in a magical kingdom called New York, Giselle and Robert fell in love. But what if I told you that this wasn't the end of their story? I wish. Jumping jelly sticks, we got magic? My wish is turning me into a wicked stepmother. Uh-oh. Never fear. We will come up with something very smart at the very last minute that solves all our problems. Edward. What? That's how it works here. Disney's Disenchanted. Rated PG. Streaming November 18th. Only on Disney+. Plus. Amy Adams is back along with Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, and Adina Menzel. And new people in the cast include Maya Rudolph. Disenchanted follows up with how Giselle and Robert are doing. That's Adams and Dempsey. But Giselle is unhappy with life in the city, so they head out to the suburbs... But then that turns out to be not quite as great as she wanted. So she turns back to magic and transforms the town into a real-life fairy tale. And in doing so, she starts to turn wicked herself. So again, that first one was fantastic. And this new one looks great, too. So that's one option for this weekend. Option two is on Apple TV+. Plus. We've got a movie called Spirited. Hi, I'm Will Ferrell. Oh, this, this sucks. Hold on just a second. What? What's wrong, Ryan? Do you have any idea what it's like to be in a Will Ferrell Christmas movie that's not Elf? Well, yes. I was there when we shot it. I don't think they're expecting Elf. Yes, they are. Instead, they're, they're getting a musical from two guys with questionable pitch. Hey, 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 hey. Sorry. It's okay. This is easy. Some simple disclaimers. Hey, everyone. Spirited is not Elf. It's not Deadpool, either. It is a musical. It is funny. Anything else? It's on Apple TV Plus. Where the hell is that? So there you go. Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds in a Christmas movie that is not Elf or Deadpool. It's a comedy musical adaptation of A Christmas Carol. So this, I don't, I, 
I, there's two solid picks already that I want to watch, Jeff. What do you think of this Spirited? Oh, I, I like everything about it except the word musical. Ah, uh, okay. but we'll see. I might give it a. Sh- I'll give it a shot in the spirit of Christmas. I'll, you can at least give it a shot, and we'll we'll see. Over on Netflix. Oh no, wait! It's on Apple TV. I don't have it. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. On Netflix, Jason Momoa stars in something called Slumberland. Welcome to my world, kid. World of dreams. You can't wish for whatever you want here in Slumberland, but it's going to be dangerous. I could see my dad again. You don't die. It's probably will. What are we waiting for? This one looks neat, and the visuals are just incredible in the trailer, but it's getting so-so reviews. But it's kind of cool to see Jason Momoa doing a family movie, and he looks like he's having a blast while doing it. It's about a young girl who discovers a secret map to the dream world of Slumberland, and with the help of an eccentric outlaw played by Momoa, she traverses dreams and flees nightmares with the hope that she will be able to see her late father again. So again, it was like last time I checked, it was around 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Spirited was 70%. No reviews yet as of Thursday afternoon for Disenchanted, so I'm curious about that. But in a moment, we're going to tell you what is new on the big screen this week. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. So we're talking about the six new movies that are out this week. Three of them are on streaming. Disenchanted is on Disney+. Plus. Spirited is on Apple TV+. And Slumber land is on netflix on the big screen i'd never even heard of this one until this week but it looks cool and is getting great reviews it's called the menu this entire evening this guest list has been painstakingly planned this is bergamot i'm getting chef yes it is could we get a little gluten-free bread you donkey make sure people don't bother me would you like this autograph who are you why do you care? Are you with us or with them? On November 18. We're gonna die to do this. Isn't that right? Yes, sir! Get out of their way. I didn't see that coming. The Menu, in theaters November 18, 3 The Menu stars Rafe Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, and a whole bunch of other familiar faces. The couple, played by Taylor-Joy and Holt, travel to a coastal island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef played by Fines, has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. It's a dark comedy that looks pretty cool. Dark comedy mystery. Um, you like the, the Ray Fines stuff, Jeff? Is I this love Ray Fines, yeah. Ray Fines is one of my favorite actors. Uh, he may low-key be my favorite actor now that I think of it. Um, I saw the trailer for this when I was at uh, the Banshees in Sharon this week, and I was like, oh, this looks good. And But then there was something, I can't remember specifically, there was something about it that I thought, like, oh, this might be kind of gory or gross at some point. So I, I wasn't totally sure about that. Uh, watch the trailer, you'll be able to figure out what I'm talking about, I think. Um, so I, I do want to see it. I don't know that I'll rush to theaters to see it, though. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll check it out first and tell you if, uh, where I think (laughs) it fits on the JB Gore scale. Also new this weekend, a movie about the journalists who exposed Harvey Weinstein's sex crimes in Hollywood based on the 2019 book of the same name. It's She Said. Were you scared of him? Yes. We all were. Harvey wanted people to submit to him. He could destroy someone in seconds. People have tried to write this story. He kills it every time. We're not going to let that happen. This is bigger than Weinstein. 
This is about the system protecting abusers. I was silenced. I want my voice back. She said, rated R, only in theaters, November 18th. Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan play New York Times reporters Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor, who broke the story that helped propel the Me Too movement, looks powerful and is getting solid reviews. And Andre Brower is in the supporting cast. So that's always a win. I was going to say, you can't go wrong with any of those people. I love Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan, too. And a, a good journalism movie is... Uh they're hard to come by, and this looks like it might be one of them. It has the last really good one, obviously, was uh, Spotlight that won all the awards about six or seven years ago. And I won't be surprised if this is in the mix for Oscars for sure. And in select theaters for a limited time before it starts streaming on Netflix next month, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Where am I? I feel as though you've been here before. The wooden boy. With the borrowed soul. Be his son. Fill his days with light. We shall call you Pinocchio. (laughs) Oh, what a day, what a day. And in case you're wondering, yes, this is the second Pinocchio movie in three months. The first one was a live-action adaptation on Disney Plus in September starring Tom Hanks. It did not get good reviews. Del Toro's version is a stop-motion animated film and is getting excellent reviews. And in classic Del Toro fashion, it has a wildly unique visual aesthetic and does not shy away from the source material's darker underbelly. Uh, The animation just looks incredible. It's got a great voice cast. Ewan McGregor, Kate Blanchett, Tilda Swinton, David Bradley, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, and as Pinocchio, as we like to say, some kid. Have you seen the trailer for this, Jeff? I've not yet seen the trailer for it. I've just seen uh, little still images or GIFs or whatever on on Twitter from uh, that Del Toro's pumped out. I haven't watched the trailer yet. But, yeah, uh, when it's got uh, Del Toro's name in it, Guillermo Del Toro, you know that you're going to see a quality film no matter what because the guy doesn't make bad movies, period. He also has a he has a way of putting gross stuff into things that shouldn't be gross, so I'll be interested to see if he can even gross me out with this Pinocchio movie. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. So uh, that is going to be, that debuts on Netflix, I believe, on uh, December 9th. So this will be in theaters for one week want to tell you what's coming out next week as well because next week is American Thanksgiving so that's when they always release the new movies on Wednesday and there are five to choose from so starting on November 23rd for one week only before it debuts on Netflix next month on December 23rd it's a sequel to the hit whodunit movie from 2019 it's Glass Onion a Knives Out mystery tonight a murder will be committed if anyone can name the killer that person wins our game. This is truly delightful. There has been a murder for one person. This is not a game. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again. You must be really great at clues. I'm very bad at dumb things. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Rated PG-13. Daniel Craig returns as Detective Benoit Blanc in a new mystery with another star-studded cast, which includes Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, and Janelle Monet, who is said to give the performance of her career. Also listed on the credited cast, Ethan Hawke, Hugh Grant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
Carr and Serena Williams. Knives Out was a critical and commercial hit and I think pretty much single-handedly helped to reinvigorate the whodunit genre. And the sequel, Glass Onion, is also getting terrific reviews. But again, it's only in theaters for one week, starting November 23rd, and then it doesn't debut on Netflix until December 23rd. And I understand, Jeff, you've already got a ticket? I've got my ticket. I'll be there uh, next Wednesday on the 23rd. I'm very much looking forward to it uh, because Knives Out was one of my favorite movies of the last few years. It was so much fun. I saw that twice, twice in theaters. Just go see a mystery twice in theaters where you already know what the answer is the second time around. That's that tells you how good a movie it is. Yeah. And, and I guess now that I think of it, there have also been the those. Uh Hercule Poirot movies uh, with starring Kenneth Branagh, a murder on yeah. the murder on the Orient Express, and Death on the Nile. But those movies were just okay, uh, whereas Knives Out uh, was a real was a true breakout. Uh, so it's cool to see that they are going back, and it's good to see that it's getting good reviews and that it wasn't sort of a like a one hit wonder kind of deal. Right. Also on November twenty third, a new cartoon from Disney called Strange World. The Clade family. I want you to come with me on an expedition. Just crash landed. Where in the world are we? In a strange world. Will you get that off your head? Now, they must come together. They're finally getting along. Right? They're basically the same person. Watch out! Oh, my bad! To find their way home. Come on! We got a world to save! I'm for a barbecue! How are you my dad? When two people love each other... Stop talking! Stop talking! Disney's Strange World. Rated PG. Only in theaters November 23rd. Some family fun about a family of legendary explorers who head to uncharted territory and find a weird land full of bizarre creatures. Features a voice cast that includes Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, Lucy Liu, and Alan Tudyk. So that looks like a good one for families. Steven Spielberg's latest movie is also out on the 23rd. It's called The Fablemans. What kind of movie are we going to make? A hundred dollars for a hobby? It's not a hobby, Dad. The Fablemans is the best movie of the year. You do what your heart says you have to. The Fablemans, only in theaters November 23rd. The cast includes Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, and Seth Rogen. Young Sammy Fableman falls in love with movies after his parents take him to see The Greatest Show on Earth. Armed with a camera, Sammy starts to make his own films at home, much to the delight of his supportive mother. It's part memoir for Spielberg, it's part love letter to the movies, and to his supportive family. So far, it's getting excellent reviews, and because Hollywood likes nothing more than movies about movies, Jeff, is it safe to assume this could be an Oscar frontrunner? I would say so. I would say it's got to be the front runner at this point, sight unseen, and uh, that Spielberg's probably in line to maybe pick up his uh, third directing Oscar. I'm very excited for this. I was actually, uh, I almost bought tickets to it earlier today, only to realize that I already had the ticket for the same day at the Knives Out movie. So <laughs> I was like, well, I can't buy two tickets at the same time. That won't work. Okay. This next movie is about the Korean War, starring an actor who's super busy these days and another actor who clearly likes doing movies about being a fighter pilot. It's called Devotion. The commanding officer called you one of the best pilots he's ever seen. It must be hard being the uh, naval aviator. It's the toughest job there is. Based on the incredible true story. Can't tell you how many times people have told me to give up quick. Of an American hero. If I did, I wouldn't be here. Just remember you belong down here with us too, okay? This is war. We bring everyone home. Show off. 
Based on the book of the same name, it tells the story of two U.S. Navy fighter pilots during the Korean War who would become the Navy's most celebrated wingmen. It stars Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. Majors is in a lot of big things these days. He's in the MCU as the next big bad guy, Kang, first appearing in the Loki series and then next appearing in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which debuts on February 17th. And then two weeks after that, he will appear as the antagonist in Creed 3. Powell, meanwhile, played Hangman in Top Gun Maverick. And finally, also on the 23rd, a movie based on a book, same name, Bones and All. Dad! You didn't. When the cops get here, you have to be gone. You ate them. I believe you had to. You were born this way. I thought I was the only one. Are there lots of us? I came looking for you. You can smell me half a mile away. Can you do that? Not that far. We're dangerous. Yeah. I'm not gonna be like that. We gotta do this. We have to do it. You've been following me. Bones and all. We did our only Peter's Thanksgiving. Looks intense and it looks weird. And in a moment, I'm going to tell you about my weird decision to watch some pretty dumb movies. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And this past week, for some stupid reason, I decided to revisit one of the most mediocre, if not most awful, movie franchises in history. The war itself had become more perilous. The weapons had evolved. But our orders remained the same. Hunt them down and kill them off, one by one. They are the immortal damned. One family lusting for power and wealth. The chain has never been broken, not in 14 centuries. Another driven by revenge. Soon we'll defeat the vampires on their own ground. Underworld. Underworld. I don't even remember what inspired me to watch this again this past week. The first movie came out in 2003, starring Kate Beckinsale as a death dealer, an elite team of vampires who hunt down and kill their enemies, lichens, a.k.a. Werewolves, with a flashy gothic visual and action motif that combines the Matrix and the Crow. It had so many things that I thought just sounded cool. Vampires, werewolves, fancy gun foo, Kate Beckinsale. But it was ho-hum at best. And it just gets worse from there. In 2006, they released Underworld Evolution. In 2009, they released a prequel, Underworld Rise of the Lycans. In 2012, they released Underworld Awakening. And in 2016, they released Underworld Blood Wars. And at 31 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The first Underworld is the highest, the best reviewed of the bunch. But I decided to, since I watched the first one, I thought, let's watch the whole series. <laughs> I guess I hoped that somehow these movies would get better with time, but they didn't. So I watched the first four, thanks to that app that Jeff, you told me about a couple of years ago. Just watch the name of the app. It's such a handy app. You want to, you don't, you don't know where to watch something. It, it'll tell you. And it told me that it's uh, on the CTV app. So I downloaded that to my smart TV. It comes with ads, um, but uh, and Blood Wars is on Netflix. That's the fifth and final movie. I mean, look, these movies, these movies are fun if you turn your brain off. 
But I think especially with that first one, they really squandered an opportunity to do something truly unique and tell a unique and interesting story because they were just too concerned with making everything look snazzy. And it does look snazzy. They succeeded there. Kate Beckinsale is a terrific lead, and she's awesome uh, as an action star. Uh, because she's got, the, she's kind of like um, Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman. There's there's an elegance, uh, but there's also a ferocity. And when they combined, it just looks fantastic on the screen. And uh, it's got two amazing performances from actors Michael Sheen and Bill Nye. Not Bill Nye, the science guy, but. Uh, you know, Bill Nye, N-I-G-H-Y. These two guys just had no business being in this movie, but wow, do they bring it. And that's why overall I think it's a blown opportunity because Sheen plays Lucian, the head werewolf, and he has a really tragic story. And Nye plays Victor, who's kind of the head vampire, and his past is complicated. And with those two guys and their interesting story, I think this movie could have been great. And those guys normally don't do movies like this, but they look to be having a great time. And they did both return for the prequel as well, Rise of the Lycans, and uh, Nye returned as well for the second one too for some flashbacks. And then what's really interesting is their amazing performances are countered by this actor named Shane Broly, who plays a character named Craven. He's kind of the second-in-command vampire. So he's a crucial character, and he is terrible like laughably bad uh, how does that, how the heck does that happen like you get a movie with two excellent actors and then another one who gives one of the worst performances i've ever seen i just i don't know how it happens director len wiseman i think just he was a, sort of a new-ish director and clearly was more concerned with the action and while well, sheen and i were probably just thinking yeah you know what we don't need you to direct us we know how to do this just fine so go away but um i still like the first one as silly as it is, because once you accept that it's not a great movie, you can enjoy it for what it is. It's a visually cool, neat story with some performances that just don't deserve to be there. But the sequel, again, should have been good, but it was bad. The prequel is okay, but it's kind of pointless because the story is more or less told in the first one. And the fourth and fifth movies were just meh. And out of out of these five, Jeff, and we've got like 25 seconds, you've seen the fifth one? I've only seen the fifth one. Yeah, a podcast I listened to did an episode, so I watched it because I had time. And uh, it was instantly forgettable because I don't remember anything about it except that I thought this was kind of dumb. And uh, everything that was supposed to be scary, I found funny. That's uh, about sums it up. It's just mediocre. So consider yourself warned if you feel like watching the Underworld movies. You will probably be disappointed like I was. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.